put down those joysticks and pause those VCRs because Nickelodeon's got the next level in game shows. Nick Arcade, next. Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oh, joy! Let's rock! It makes me wanna fart! Dear Journal, it's me, Doug. Do you have it? A baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. On your mark, get set. Oh, here it goes! Welcome to Splat Attack, where we're taking it back to the slime-filled past. I am your Gactastic co-host, Brett. And I am your slime-tastic co-host, Alex. And Brett, I see uh, a little digital figuration going on here. Yeah, it's a little pixelated on the screen, but I think, you know, I'm pressing some buttons on my gamepad, and it looks like something's coming up on the game screen. Who can it be, Alex? Is that I who I think it is? I don't know. Who, who's, who's coming through here? It's none other than Phil Moore. And here he hey, is now. Oh my gosh, now I'm in the clear. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you just came out of the video zone via Zoom and you're here to join us tonight for this uh, hey, 30th I anniversary. Ago, I, the way I looked a second ago, I thought I was stuck in Tron. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, good thing you avoided Master Computer and all those flying exactly. uh, discs. Yeah. Well, welcome to the well, show, up, guys. Phil. How you doing? Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. New year, new us, as they say. New year, new rendered video. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we've had the gosh, how many anniversary episodes have we had now? I we've think had... this is our fourth one. We did. Uh, we started with Nicktoons' thirtieth anniversary in August. Mm -hmm. That was our premiere episode, okay. and then we went right along with a follow up with the What Would You Do thirtieth anniversary. Oh, okay. And, and then we actually did like a mega celebration with a Are You Fair the Dark thirtieth anniversary reunion yep. on Halloween. So. We're just banging them out for all the 90s. It's, it's kind of funny that all of these things, they all kind of came up around the same year. Yeah, yeah. they did. They really around did. The, yeah, you know, my, I guess with it being, so I guess they started the year before me and then and then RK started the following year or, or premiered the following year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, Nick RK pretty much ran during 92 and then aired, yeah. aired like the pilot during August of 91, if I remember correctly. Yeah. No, they never aired the pilot. The pilot, oh. it doesn't even have me on it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the pilot uh, was actually done, uh, you know, and, they, and all shows have a pilot. It's something I want to tell people because people like to come up to me like they got a scoop. Did you know <laughs> that there was another host before you? I'm like, no. Did you know that all TV shows do a pilot to test the concept? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so that's what it did. They, they, they got one of the producers of the show uh, who was a charismatic charismatic guy and and they went on the uh they used the, the set of get the picture mm -hmm. and they brought in a show that michael malley hosted before he went on the guts and they you know had some questions and they were you know doing proof of concept testing to let let, let the network know that this concept was viable and it could be interesting now throw us some money and let's start casting the thing so um uh but we the reason why all of those shows i felt like all of those shows were all together was we shot Nick Arcade in 1991. It mm -hmm. didn't premiere until January 4th, 1992. So when 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 Are You Afraid of the Dark was premiering and Nick Tune, I was there. So that's why I felt like, well, weren't we all doing? No, we we were all there together. It's just that I I waited till the New Year turn before they started airing Arcade. Right, but you're the odd one out. 
but you, yeah, exactly. you guys were all together. And it was, it was really those couple of years around the early 90s where everything was just firing on all cylinders for Nickelodeon. And that's that's what people remember most about is that it was like the golden era where Nick is kids was the slogan. And Geraldine Laybourne yep. was the president at the time who just had this clear vision miles away where she saw that this was the perfect amalgamation of content for kids that they wanted. Nick, Nick, Nick. <laughs> We think kids deserve a network just for them, a network that thinks about them. We think it's great for kids to understand that they're all in the same boat and we're on their side. I am the president of Nickelodeon. Darn proud of it. Some networks are there part-time for kids when it's convenient for them. We think we should be convenient for you. Nickelodeon is always there for kids every day, 365 days a year. Well, the thing that was really cool too, I mean, first of all, the Jerry Laborn, uh, I, I cannot begin to talk about what an amazing vision that she had. And then the other thing that the network in general did was they found other people who who shared the vision. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, I've got a vision to do something really crazy and cool for kids, but don't like just repeat what I'm doing, coming with follow the idea of something crazy kooky and original for kids and what does that look like for you well somebody goes well for me that's that's double there for somebody else that goes that's that's guts for somebody else they go well that's uh brandon stimpy for somebody else that's that's rugrats all of these things are different but they fit that sort of umbrella theme and that's why i think 90s nickelodeon worked um yes, you know uh, nothing looked like anything else and if mm -hmm. it looked like anything else, um, it was hard to get on the air. You know, I mean, the time we just talked about, um, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, it started out, Clarissa explains, explains it all. Double Dare, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Nick Arcade, Guts, uh, Roundhouse. Uh, uh, and then the Nick Toon started with, mm -hmm. our, you know, Rugrats and Our Real Monsters and, 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 and Doug. And, and all, none of those shows, even the cartoons. Until until the same company, like when 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 Rugrats started, the, the company the Rugrats started doing uh, Our Real Monsters, and you can see some similarity in animation, but still, it was everything was so different. No two shows were alike, and that's yeah. the beauty of it because everything had a unique identity. So if you liked a certain style of Nicktoon or like a certain type of game show that had like that energy that resonated with you, you knew where to find it. It was all right. distinct and all together, and. I think being able to celebrate all those differences through the different styles and productions made it like just the best thing to experience for all of us. And obviously that's the case now because we're still talking about it 30 years later. So it's a testament to the, the staying power of the quality of the content and the people working behind the scenes to make it happen. And Nick, I, personally, I, I personally agree, but I also give, give mad props to the fans. But the thing that I talk about with Nick Arcade was, Nick Arcade was the show that for me, when it came to marketing, all the money went into putting the show on. And so there, to me, it wasn't really a lot of stuff left for marketing. Like, mm -hmm. like uh, it's the show that didn't have a whole lot of commercials. It's a show that didn't have any products. Like you could buy gut shirts, you could buy Double Dare shirts, you could buy Legends of the Depot shirts. But up until like a few years ago when some deals were made, like you could all during the heyday of the 90s and the early, you couldn't buy any Nick Arcade anything. Uh, uh, you know, it, it was really weird. You could buy Rugrats shirts, you could buy shirts that for every single show that was on, but there were no merchandise because all the money went into the tech. 
and, and, and all of the advertising money, a big chunk of it that would be allotted for 9,000, you know, uh, commercials for um, figure it out uh, because it's just the set and some slide. The money for Nick Arcade went into the tech and all of the tech, the, the brilliant tech people that took the run the, run the show. So when I think about the show, I have to include into the longevity of the power of the fantastic 90s fans because there was a show that seems to to hang up there with the what I call the the other the other group of game shows you know like again the the, the Fab Five from from the era where where Double Dare uh, Nick Arcade uh, Leslie Hidden Temple Guts and uh, uh, um, figure it out uh, and all of those shows had you know marketing budget lots of commercials and merch and all we had was just this milk dud bouncing around up on the screen, <laughs> singing songs, and you fast forward 30 years later and people still remember it. So uh, I think, yeah, they did a fantastic job of putting it out there, but in a show that had very little marketing, um, the fans, like 90s Knicks fans are the best. They came through. Yeah. All right, all right Nick Box, you hear that? We need some Nick Arcade merchandise in those Nick Boxes. I mean, if you want to <laughs> hire me, I'll make some Mikey shirts for people or even put <laughs> Nick Arcade or Phil Moore on a shirt. Why not? Well, there was somebody that sent me a link. Apparently, there is some company. Obviously, some deal had to be made because uh, now you can get Nick Arcade t-shirts, Nick Arcade mugs. Um, the only thing I had from Nick Arcade back in the day was I, I um, had one of the t-shirts from season one, uh, when we went to season two, they made red team and 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 yellow team shirts. Season one, everybody wore gray. Mm -hmm. I had I had a gray t-shirt, and I also had when we wrapped season two, they made caps. So if anybody had a cap that had Nick Arcade on it, um, back then uh, you worked on the show or you knew somebody who did. Other than that, that was it. There was no merch. Make awesome. some uh, make some of the video game wizards into little uh, standable figures. I wanted a I wanted a little uh, Mikey action figure. Exactly, <laughs> he's so fun. He's like the the face of Nick Arcade along with you. Like I feel like people would have a ball if they even adapted that to a cartoon cartoon show, made what action if, figures, you name it. What if they did it like Mighty Max car toys? Oh, like Mikey Max instead? <laughs> yeah, I like look, look, like you to have uh, uh, Mondo, and it would open up, and it would be the jungle set, and uh, oh, you'd have a little cool. you have yeah. a little Mikey that would go around. Tons well, of potential. Look, look, I, I had a I had an idea when they did the uh, the Double Dare movie uh, that was like based off of the show. Uh, I had an idea for arcade that, and we mentioned it earlier. I mentioned Tron, but it was kind of like a cross, cross between Tron and Wreck-It Ralph. And and what it what the concept was, the concept was, um, it was uh, Mikey had become like old Luke Skywalker. He was older, and he was bitter, and he needed a shave. And he was really, really pissed, and and he was like trying to get out of there. The show was done. He's stuck in this thing. And somehow, like Tron, he managed to zap me in and he wanted me to get him the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm like in reboot or I'm in Tron and I'm trying to get out of there, but I'm also trying to rescue Mike. It was going, Nick Arcade, the rescue of Mike. <laughs> no one has the, played me for 20 years. Get exactly. me out. It's the dark, <laughs> exactly. uh, gritty reboot that we all need. <laughs> Nobody's made me walk left or right. <laughs> <laughs> Go diagonal. <laughs> uh, what a blast. Um, so yeah, after we touched upon Nick Arcade, we have some questions for you, Phil, both Alex and I, as well as some of our listeners that we pulled uh, from Instagram. 
Uh, so Alex, would you like to start off with some of yours? Yes. Uh, so how did you get involved with uh, Nick Arcade and what were some of the things you were doing before you were host of Nick Arcade? That's a good question. Um, I, I was working before I got in the show business by as a stand-up comic, um, but that's not what I aspired to be, um, which is a kind of an interesting thing I like to tell people because um, you, you can start out on one path and it could be a good path, it could be a bad path, but don't trip if all of a sudden it takes you in a different direction um, because I, I got down, I came from Baltimore, I came from Baltimore, Maryland, down to Florida to go to college. When I finished school, I got a job. Uh, I met a young lady, we got married. I was living the regular, make your parents proud life. And then one day I started doing stand-up comedy, walked away from my job. Uh, and then, you know, also to supplement my income, we're like, let's go on an audition. I got myself an agent who started sending me out. And I did a couple of little local commercials, but ultimately between doing stand-up and trying to get my name out there and my face locally, um, I got a gig um, opening up for some folks in New York, and, and which led to um, me getting into TV uh, by doing audience warmups um, uh, down when they started building the studios in Florida. Uh, they built the Disney MGM studios first, and um, I wanted to be closer to home. Uh, I was about to become a father. I didn't want to be on the road like a stand-up comic is. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, let me do audience warmer, which is basically be a stand-up comic, comic for a studio audience. And I did that for a show that shot on MTV called Remote Control, mm -hmm. uh, starring yes. the, the late, great Ken Ober and, and uh, 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 Adam Sandler was on that show. And um, oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank? The guy's name, um, he was on SNL. Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway. Um, the show was fantastic, and um, uh, and I and and I got to stay home, so I did more and more of that. But but I kept you know doing auditions, and eventually I got an audition for Nick Arcade. I was already sort of in the Viacom family uh, because MTV and Nickelodeon are owned by mm -hmm. Viacom, so yeah. people kind of knew me, and so you know, I got the the it I got I got called to come in and audition, and. The audition process, that's that's pretty boring. I mean, you go on audition, <laughs> you go home, and then you sit by the phone, oh, please call me. And you get a phone call, and it's like, Phil, you got a call back. You're like, yay. And you go and you you try to do it again, but you try to bring something different, but you, you know, you're getting closer. And of course, from the call back, they're narrowing it down. They may have seen, I don't know, 200 people by the time you get your call back. But when you do your call back, now they're only seeing maybe 50. And then they you get a call back again. And I got I got six callbacks. Golly! And so, so that's seven times. Seven wow. times I went in before I finally was told you're the guy. Um, but I was doing stand-up comedy, and it was a uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun to do. Well, before, uh, before Nick Arcade, because obviously us '90s kids who watched the show uh, loved it for many reasons, video games included. Did you ever play video games? Yeah, I did. I was one of those guys where back in the day I had I had an Atari and I had a Commodore uh, 64. But my, my favorite thing was the was the Atari. And and then um, by the time I got Nick Arcade, I had a uh, the original uh, Nintendo, you know, the one where you <laughs> blow the cartoon, <laughs> pop the it NES. in. Yep. <laughs> the NES, that's what I had. So you, um, so you got to play plenty of uh, Battle of the Bands slash Pong. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Oh, don't don't knock Pong, man. Oh, here's the other oh thing. no, here's the no, other no. The game oh, that started it all. I yes, I had a ColecoVision that introduced uh, Donkey Kong. Donkey yes. Kong first premiered on ColecoVision. Yes, and that uh, that was my so so. Oh my gosh, when you got the, when Pong was done, you put on this little like. Oh man. <laughs> and that the ColecoVision had the like numeric pad, right? That you had to punch in the numbers for certain controls. No, there was the, there was the one I remember having one where it had, or the dial maybe. Maybe it had the better one. I don't remember exactly what the controller was. I really don't. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. Uh, I didn't mark down my controller history. Uh, all, I, all I know is that they're very different back then than what they are now. A lot less oh, buttons yeah, and a lot yeah. more but, uh, thinking. <laughs> um, but I mean, I did play video games. And I used to like going to arcades. I mean, I used to like going, you know, um, uh, before um, before it was all just Chuck E. Cheese's, there was a thing called Showbiz Pizza, you yep. know? And and uh, so I used to like going to that. And um, uh, and if, and then I had friends who already had kids and um, before my son was born and they would, you know, invite me to, you know, Uncle Phil, can you, can Uncle Phil come to my party? They would have them at places like everybody remember Discovery Zone, yes. you know, Discovery, yeah. the ZZs. The um, so um, there were lots of places where, I, I mean, there were lots of uh, ways in which I played video games prior to getting, uh, to getting the show. So yeah, I was a video game fan. That's right. awesome. It sounds like you're a seasoned pro before you even got into the show. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just, um, I was just a guy <laughs> wasting time instead of doing my, uh, you know, my, 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 my work uh, that I should have been doing because I was a grown up now and no longer a college student. <laughs> I, it was tough making that transition. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It was a different time back then. Now yeah. you can make a living off of it now. I'm with like Twitch streaming. Uh, heck and yeah. Wild. All right, hang on a second. Hold on a second. I'm driving. I'm going crazy. I gotta. I gotta get this guy's name. I gotta get his name. That's <laughs> guy. It's driving me nuts. No, it really is. It's driving me absolutely nuts. Hang on. Hang oh, on. I know the when feeling. When I say it, I'm gonna be so mad that I didn't remember his name. Oh, how come they didn't show any pictures? You know, how normally they show people's pictures. Colin Quinn. That's Colin it. Quinn. Yes, he was <laughs> in the mid '90s SNL roster. It was just driving me nuts. I, wow. Dude, I, we couldn't go on with the conversation. You guys were talking. <laughs> And in my head, I kept hearing, womp, 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 womp. <laughs> All of a sudden, my brain was going, what is that guy's name? Uh, <laughs> yep. The late, great Ken Ober, Kari Warher, Steve Trekis, Adam Sandler. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was great. There right, you go. Now, moving All on. The greats. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of video games, while we're talking about it, um, we know that there are many enemies and even video wizards within Mikey's world that the contestants had to navigate in order to win fabulous prizes. Do you have a favorite video, uh, video wizard among the three of Scorcia, Mongo, and Murloc by any chance? Uh, um, I like Scorcia, um, but for a very, no one would know this reason. And the reason why I like Scorcia was, uh, Nick Arcade was created by the team of James Bethea and Karim Metef. And at the time, Karim was expecting his first child and his wife was pregnant. And she did the voice of Scorcia. Oh, no and way. there was a day when I saw this very, very, very large pregnant woman, <laughs> cute as a button, and they're going, wah, 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 and <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of pregnant women. <laughs> uh. so, so when you... 
when you go back and you look at Scorsia standing up here like this often, no, it's really a woman going, ah, 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 <laughs> with, with a pair of headphones on wow. in front of a microphone. That's what I see. And because of that imagery, Scorsia has always been my favorite. That's I, why. <laughs> I love it. And great answer. I thought you were going to ask because she has flames popping out of her head because she's hot headed, but you know, that works too. <laughs> even better. Who, who wants to be rolling with a person just because they're hot headed? No, 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 no. <laughs> Scorsia's well, pregnant. <laughs> exactly. No, it explains everything. <laughs> there you go. Um, what about Mikey's World enemies on the game board? Did you have any favorites among those that attacked him? Um, the, 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 squid, the kissy face aliens, just smooch aliens, the smooch aliens, just because they were. It was weird, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> who, who expects getting kissed in the middle of space when you're trying to navigate to like a NASA spaceship? I'm trying to go through the galaxies. Who knows I'm going to be violated? Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> All I know is I'm glad they were friendly and not like the evil black xenomorphs and aliens. <laughs> oh, boy. Or, the, or as like on Earth, the anal probe aliens. You know what I mean? Yeah, avoid that. Just, get, that's not the kind of happy you. aliens we want to run into. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. When, Ouch. when an alien comes up and goes, let me love on you, I hope they want to kiss me. Yes. <laughs> you know? I 100% oh agree. Stop, stop there. To just kiss. <laughs> First base, we're done. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so the smooch aliens. Because they were funny looking. It was just, you know, they come up, game over the bully. He's just a regular bully. Yeah. Uh, I like the pirate. He was kind of Blackboard cool. the pirate, yeah. Blackboard the pirate. Because Blackboard, um, and the other reason I like Blackboard is, Whenever he was on, I would go overboard with imitating him. You know, even when I did the little, are you mateys, are, are you mateys, hanging <laughs> in the pirate's cove with the ladies, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> it was like, when I made up the songs, it just, it just, I would do it in pirate voice because yeah. I take a look at the, the script the day before and go, oh, pirate's cove, are. <laughs> exactly going the stereotype but you're actually building a character for him so for all we know he likes to hang out at the local pub on the dock when he's not on nick arcade hanging with the ladies drinking some grog exactly, <laughs> exactly. My, my favorite was always the witch doctor because i loved watching your translations after the witch doctor would come up <laughs> that's code for you lost control mikey's going down Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you can translate for us, Phil. <laughs> well, you know, you know, kids, you know, they need somebody that can help them. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, familiar. my particular favorite was uh, the genie from the Forgotten Desert because he would turn Mikey into a chicken with a little <laughs> light Alakazam! And I, <laughs> better watch out for Colonel Sanders. <laughs> uh, great, great picks. Um, oh, man, I'm glad you guys know these guys. They were, yeah, they were all alive. <laughs> Believe me, we're, I mean, we're among was, the hardcore fans. And, oh, yeah. and I got to tell you, and I had zero to do with any of that. I mean, I was. Nick Arcade was the first TV show I ever had ever done. Um, and uh, I, I, I had I was nervous going into the thing. And, um, you know, coming off of stand up, I think the only the thing that it gave me was an ability to improv and ad lib a bit. 
And I was already a goofball. So, I mean, that, that you know, Nickelodeon was the, the, the perfect place to be. But with respect to any of this content, this fantastic content we're talking about, all the team of people that put the show together. I had zero to do with it. I'd walk in and go, what is that? And where are we going? And who is that? And they'd have to explain everything. Well, uh, to, to reiterate a point that Brett and I make later in the episode, Nick Arcade itself it is a great show, especially for us 90s kids, for a number of reasons. One, the content was really, really fun. The puzzles, the, the video zone, the, the arcade section, the, the whole thing, the, the set was fun. But in all, honesty, in all honesty, as a kid, in between the video segments, most kids would get bored because it, in the wrong hands, because most kids want to tune in for, oh, is this the show where they go to the arc, where they go in the video game at the end? All right, I got to check this out. If it didn't have such a charismatic host who was fun and energetic and would improv and was just all about having fun with the kids and then seeing the smile on the kids' faces while you're joking around with them and you can hear the audience laughing too, you carried the show, man. And you are one of the big reasons why the show resonates so much with us. Uh, and uh, there are other game shows that, that kids had and they're all fun. Well, most of them are fun. Almost all the Nickelodeon ones were fun. But mm -hmm. there, there's even proof of concept that is fun, but in the hands of a host, uh, the wrong host, it just drags. And it just flew by when in, in your hands. And you are the key ingredient that made that show work. Well, I, I, I really appreciate, uh, appreciate that. I felt like when I walked onto that set, and I saw what, you know, the, 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 all the men and women had put together <clears throat> and all they needed was somebody to be the traffic cop for this thing. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I, I owed them no less. And um, the other thing that I noticed too, just explaining why I did certain things that I did, a lot of it is just me. Um, you know, um, it really is. Uh, I tell people sometimes, sometimes I get annoyed when you meet new people and, and they turn around and they go, oh, you have to excuse Phil. Um, uh, oh, he, he's like this because he's on TV. And I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was on TV because I'm like this. Yes, you know? the other this way is, around. This and, and, and so I had this, you know, just this energy anyway, I still do. Um, but the one thing I noticed about um, television, because here's the other thing I hear when people reflect and have these nostalgic memories of Nick Arcade. They always talk about how annoyed they got with some of the contestants. <laughs> Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? And I always tell them, like, is this weird place? And I would see it in the kids' faces. Like, one day, you're 14 years old. You're going to school, you're hanging with your friends, you're trying to figure out something fun to do. Oh, I'm gonna be on this TV show. Well, boom, they bring you into this studio that's like 32 degrees below zero. <laughs> then somebody who you don't know says, let me put powder on your face. And you're like, I'm not a baby anymore, but they're putting stuff on your face. Then they're like, go in there and change your clothes and put on something you've never worn before <laughs> that four other people had on. And then somebody who you don't know with the coldest fingers in America would like put wires up your shirts and touch your back and stuff and hook up microphones on you. Then they have somebody would mess with your hair. You're like, leave my hair alone. Then they walk you out through these doors and there's 400 people just screaming and yelling and then they go and act natural and have fun 
There was nothing natural about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one contestant in particular comes to mind when I think about all these kids being on the show and just dealing with the shock of being on a game show, yeah. let alone Nick Arcade. And um, Nate, if you remember Nadine from, I think, season two, where oh, you keep telling her, yes. touch the coins, touch the coins. Everyone I talks about Nadine. All right, starters with hit. All right, she got hit in the head by the idol. Took away one of her power units. She's staying low of the fire in the bats. Good move. Ooh, got hit in the head with fire. Ooh, got hit again. She froze everything. Everything is destroyed. Now it's just a cakewalk. All she has to do is run and touch the coins. Touch the coins, Nadine. Nadine, touch the coins. You're down to run back up and touch the coin. You haven't gotten it. Hurry up. You're running out of time. One, I hit down the stairs and grab the two. Turn around and hit down the stairs. You're down to 30 seconds. Come on now, Nadine. Faster. You're doing a great job. Everything is frozen. Head across. Head across. Head across. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Oh. Oh. You have to hit start now. Go back and hit start again. You're down to 15 seconds. You have to hit start, Nadine. Hit start. All right, we're down to 10 seconds. She's going to have to try to get the coins all over again. We're down to six seconds. One. All right, hey, that is it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ran into a little trouble there in the tomb. And I always wonder, and I've, I've actually said this a few times, I would love, love, love to reconnect with her. I've actually yeah. tried for a minute, but then got back to, you know, life and, and, and just abandoned yeah. the, the search. But um, but that was one of the reasons I would see these their faces and they would look uh, uh, terrified. And... And honestly, it wasn't like, okay, I, I need to snap them out of it so we can have a good show. I'm like, I need to snap them out of it so that they can enjoy this experience. Exactly. Because like it or not, we're here. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I thought, if you're nervous about how you're going to look, if you're nervous about everything that's going on, you will never out-goofball me. If I'm, the, <laughs> if I'm the craziest thing in the room and you do something and you flub up, you mess up, you feel awkward because you're a teenager, you will never look or appear more awkward than me. And so that's kind of like my mentality of coming into this show, uh, having contributed nothing to the creation of it. But I thought what I could do was try to ease the anxiety of these contestants so they can have fun. Because if you just play the game, the people created a great show. And yeah. the show will be fun if you could just get over your nerves and your anxiety and just kind of let go and not feel worried about whether you look odd or unusual. The most odd, unusual person in the room is going to be crazy man with the, the, the whacked out sweaters. That's <laughs> exactly There's nothing you can do to to come close to out weirding what I was doing. <laughs> and so um be yourself and let's have some fun so i tried to do that so i really appreciate um you know what you said um because it it it's it was it was fun yeah and i'm really glad you're there for uh support for those kids too to yes. just loosen them yes. up make them feel comfortable because you know it's it's not easy to be in front of a camera whether it's you know your smartphone on instagram or doing a show like this or even a professional show that gets millions of dollars and millions of views every day it's right. and, and to, as, as you address see nowadays with all of this all the social media uh people are now a little more used to that whole thing yeah. but cell phones weren't around then there was no yeah. internet then and like i said you, you one day you're doing this 
And the next day you're in this other environment and I would hear it all the time, all the wonderful, terrific, caring people that worked on the show, but they would ultimately always go, just be yourself and have fun. I'm like, there's nothing natural about where they are. Exactly. There's nothing normal about this. Be myself? You mean sit on the floor with my feet up on the coffee table and play a video game? <laughs> oh, I can't do that because I have hands going up my shirt, trying to put on a microphone and people over there screaming at me and I got powder on my face. Exactly. About that, so no, yeah. it's always I, important to me. Definitely. Um, let's see. You were the only host that would give Michael Malley a run for his money in terms of high energy, because both both you guys were like neck and neck on Nickelodeon in terms of yes. like getting the getting the audience going. Um, were Were there any situations where the producers ever got set, upset with you for some of the misphrasings or mishappenings that went on during live recording at all? No, nobody ever got mad about anything. As a matter of fact, I actually had a talk with um, one of the executive producers um, about just like shooting it straight with me. Uh, I, I, I remember, you know, because in, in show business, you have talent as they call the person in front of the camera. Yeah. And, and, you know, you kind of try to cater to them. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, but sometimes it's to the detriment of keeping it real for them. And I remember one day the executive producer was down and I, I, I messed up something and we were going to stop and do it again. And I reached back and I turned off my mic and I said, listen, Scott, um, if there's ever a situation where you need to have a talk with me, like after the show or in between episodes, I want you to just come to my dressing room and tell me what's up. And he began doing the whole, no, Phil, baby, you're terrific. Oh, you're beautiful. Like, no, no, hey, Scott, you have to understand. Here's what I know in reality. When the show is done and if the kids don't like what they see, they don't stop and go, read the credits, read the credits. Ah, the director, Bob Jones. Bob really messed up. No one does that. <laughs> Phil, you suck. <laughs> that's what they're gonna say and so um so we had a really great open honest relationship um to the point where i'm like you know be respectful but don't sugarcoat it mm -hmm. come in my if you gotta come into my office or dressing room and shut the door and say some non-nickelodeon appropriate cuss words um <laughs> but, but 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 shoot straight with me because I want to make sure that at the end of the day, what the people saw was something that was entertaining. And I think, I think making mistakes is what makes the type of host that they brought onto all the shows genuine. There was a yep. uniqueness to us. Um, Michael Malley liked to yell. I, I just talk loud and fast. Um, <laughs> uh, Mark Summers is everybody's uncle. Uh, and, and, and when he makes a mistake or something that he doesn't like, He's the first person that, that points it out to you. Um, here's the thing. If I make a mistake and you heard it, then so did everybody else. And if I try to act like it didn't happen, then that's going to be the elephant in the room. Right. Everybody's going to be talking about, did you hear this? You know, uh, so we were, we're, I was like real honest with it. And, 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 like, and it's weird because here it is. Uh, uh, you know, we get a lot of these games before you could buy them. Like we had yeah. Sonic 2 on. Uh, before you could buy it in the store. And we get games and I just see these games that were coming out. And it wasn't like now where you could just, you know, you've got a PlayStation at home or an Xbox or you got them on your phone. So I'd see a lot of these games and they were like 
brand new and I didn't know all these characters' names. And, and it really bummed me out that like when I watch old episodes and I go, oh my gosh, <laughs> who's that blue spiky pot <laughs> like, character? Like, <laughs> Dr. Robotnik is not Dr. Roboneck. It's 30 years. <laughs> man. If it's I, okay. If I, could, it's fun. if I could get every episode. And you know how they take movies and they like they go back and they they do like a, a, a they they fix scenes in it Director's you know cut. like they went like they went directed like like they took all of the old original Star Trek episodes and replaced the Enterprise but now a CG Enterprise so look oh. I would love to go back to every time I mispronounce the word and so you see like a bad <laughs> so you see a bad dubbing all right Simon the Hedgehog all you have to do is be Doctor Robotnik and then, you know. <laughs> It changed the just speak the voice differently and just edit that in real quick and then send that out on Paramount Plus. <laughs> there you go. That's the director's cut version. Nick Arcade coming out <laughs> later this year. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of uh the Star Wars fiasco when they like redid the yes. original trilogy four, five, and six yes. with like the CG and there was a little bit of a backlash. So and, you know, and the no yeah exactly oh, there's there's controversy but you know something we're all human oh. at the end of the day and even right. if we slip up here and there most people won't notice and if they do notice they don't care as long as the flow of the show keeps going and right in most and cases it was something fun. yeah right um and again and the other thing about nick arcade and getting into like how the budget was on the show and how they they sunk the money to make the tech work and i keep saying that because it is a big deal for, for yes. people oh, yeah. who are watching this now who have an entire video arcade here on their iPhone. Well, in order to make that show work, it required inventing a program that didn't exist. They invented a technology mm. and said, wow, I wonder what we can do with this. And so it's kind of like reverse engineered. Nick Arcade didn't come first. People invented a technology and went, how can we use this? Yeah. And they decided to make it into a, a game show and right. they just pitched it around and, it, and, it, and it, it found a home at Nickelodeon. Um, but, but so much went into the tech that I didn't even have a teleprompter. That's the other thing. It's so weird. Like um, uh, now any show I go on, even if it's a low budget, like almost no budget show, there's a, at least a little box hanging beneath, hanging beneath even a handheld camera that's you know scrolling the words. We didn't have a teleprompter. We couldn't afford a teleprompter operator, so we don't need a teleprompter. So not only do I have all these wacky names to to, to do, I've got to remember what the rules of the puzzle. A puzzle would come up. I'm like, where's the card? Where's the card? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are um, quite a few of them too, like a dozen. It was a lot. I tell you though, what the biggest, the biggest, the biggest thing for me, the the most that I ever flubbed in the beginning of season one was right up at the top of the show and. I'll give you mad props if you can tell me the one place that when I started out that I messed up the most. These are ones where you wouldn't have seen it because we would have to stop. See, for me, a mistake ah, okay. was when we had to okay. stop and do it over again. Did okay. you forget, if they left like, it in, they were cool with it, you know? But if yeah. we had to, if it had to slow down the taping of the show, anytime you have to stop, even if it's just stop and do it again, in real time is five minutes. That means you've got a studio audience of children that you know, you're know you trying to make sure you can get the show. It's a half hour show. It's supposed to take 22 uh, and a half minutes to shoot. And you don't want it to go over 40 minutes because then they get antsy, you know? So, but the, the one time I had to, they had to stop the most in the beginning. You ready? Let me tell you, cause sure. I can do it now. <laughs> you ready? 
Go for it. You're going to take Mikey out video adventure and you're going to move all around the screen in every direction except diagonal. Now, as you do this, you're going to run into our four P's. Points, puzzles, pop quizzes, and prizes. Now, be careful those an enemy up there. And if you run into them, control goes over to the other team. Now, all point, all questions in round one of our 25 points. And the team with the highest score at the end of the two rounds will go into the video zone to battle today's game wizard. But before we get started, hey, Andrea, where's Mikey headed today? Dude, it took me forever to learn that. <laughs> really? Wow, that is impressive. Oh, my goodness. It's yeah. ingrained. It took me forever. And you know something? The more the more I watched the episodes, I started memorizing it too. Like we got the points, yes. the pop quizzes, the prizes. Well, I flubbed that. When I got it because once once I once I got it, you know, I wasn't messing up. I started having fun. points, pop quizzes, and you know, right. now I'm having fun with it. But in the beginning, it was like, what's next? What was next? <laughs> and all presses around. Oh my god! Sometimes I would go questions in round one. Sometimes I would do all. Yeah, yeah I would always do round one. Team with the highest score at the end of the two rounds will go in to face today's game wizard. Sometimes I would say the game wizard's name. Mm -hmm. You know, some to go into go into game wizard and, and battle Mongo. You know, because now I'm real comfortable. I remembered from yeah. reading the script who it was going to be. You know, but um, man, oh man, it took forever. Maybe like the first four episodes. To, and we did we did three episodes a day so that's okay. 12 episodes before i finally got it right <laughs> i was wondering how you fit 84 episodes within a single year <laughs> yeah yeah we do three shows a day four days a week wow very impressive a lot of a lot of and also here's another here's a little fun factoid you could always tell the um the thursday shows do you know why why my voice is more hoarse oh well, <laughs> this is a yeah. technically a thursday show <laughs> you sound pretty clear <laughs> i mean so we record on thursdays a, if you're watching an episode of nick arcade and i feel a little groggy right now, it sounds a little bit like this oh uh, that's a thursday <laughs> had one too many smoke breaks behind the camera huh <laughs> <laughs> what mike was asking where's the paperwork <laughs> exactly yeah Roz. Sound like uh, that then that was a thursday episode <laughs> Well, moving right along with um, what you what you like have a hard time remembering to do right on the show. What do you enjoy most about doing on the show, and what do you also find the most challenging uh, aside from the memorization that you mentioned? Um, the uh, most enjoyable thing uh, that I end up doing on the show is going to sound well, maybe it won't sound weird. Uh, was when the day that I started singing songs to the music. <laughs> Like like making up your own lyrics to the jingle. I was like, I was whose line is it anyway before whose line is it? <laughs> I love that. Harry, 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 here we go. We're gonna do a video challenge now. All right, video challenge. You get to add more points to your score. She's writing her thing. Okay, now don't show us. Bonk has a really big old head. All right. Um, yes, singing, singing, making up lyrics to every little music, even, even when they were like making a wager, boom, she's writing and now the time is up. You know, like, <laughs> I love those parts. I would just start making up words to any music that was being piped into the studio on the show at the time. That was always fun for me because I would make, I, I would make it up on the spot. There was no, there was one, my favorite one. Here's how, here's how in the for real ad lib it was. One of my favorite ones is um, 
one where they were going, it's video challenge and the girls were coming over to play a game. And I picked up the little magnet doodle board and there's a little magnet thing you write with and I dropped it. And I went, Mary, the red team's coming to play with me. And I dropped it. I went, I dropped the little writing thingy. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's it great. Was like, it was like the moment became part of the song. That was, that was, that was when I got comfortable with doing a show that became my, one of my favorite things to do. Um, one of the most challenging things for me was not being able to really help out the contestants when they were in the video zone, like to, 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 to help them do better. Because the biggest, okay, here, America, here's yes. the biggest reason why people were, did, had such a hard time in the video zone. Mm -hmm. um, the video zone was sort of like the, the, the weather reporter on the news. They're standing in front of a room that's entirely blue. Anything they physically touch is in the shape of what it's supposed to be, but it's entirely blue. So when they're walking upstairs or climbing up a ladder, it's blue staircase, blue ladders. Now they don't see the animation over it, that's added in post. But in order to see what direction to go, there were several monitors all over surrounding them. So if they, so like the weather person, the reason why they know to put their hand right here for that high tropical high, and then boom, winds will be coming in from, is because they're looking at a monitor, seeing where to place their hands. But the monitor that the weather person is looking at is a true reflection of them. Mm -hmm. But the one technical bug that they could not figure out is how to make the images on the monitors uh, uh, the, the, in, in, in the same orientation. It was always mirrored. It was oh, always reversed. Yeah, that so, makes if, so, so if a kid sees himself and they see something coming, what appears to them to their right, it was really coming to their left. And that's why you would always see them go the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Because to them, they're looking at this image and this thing is coming, approaching them to the right. But in actuality, it's coming to their left. And try as they may, in 1992 technology, they can never figure how to get the image flipped. You know, it's kind of like you ever see people on Instagram and you know it's doing something because their shirt is it's backwards. backwards. Yeah, That's how it looked to them. It was backwards. And that's the main reason why so many kids had such a hard time in the video zone, um, which is why I can never... Like people go, didn't they annoy you? And I'm like, no, they didn't annoy me. It was, if, if they could see it straight, they would have an easier time, but they were yeah. doing the best they could. Um, and it was just one of those things, 1992 technology, they just couldn't get it. The, the show may have been delayed another two years for them to figure that out. So they and just went with it. And also for, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, because if you're not, if you're listening, awesome. I appreciate you go over to our YouTube so you can see this next part because over on YouTube, there is a video where they've uploaded some of the behind the scenes footage mm -hmm. yep. and we'll put some of that here, but yes. uh, Phil is doing his best to try to encourage, but they're at in a back portion of the studio and you can't really hear, you can hear Phil, but it's, it's off in the distance. And there is all a bunch of stagehands off on the side who are trying to guide and direct. And also uh, because it was the snowball uh, 
level where there, there's yep. a lot of activity, a mm-hmm. lot of running. So it's very, very easy for these kids to get discombobulated and, and lose their orientation. Yeah, and we, it's just tough to focus, period. Yeah. 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 We, if you, yeah. we were ahead, talking about that earlier when we were t- um, going in depth about the, the blue screen effects. If they had some sort of markers on the blue screen, like this is where you hit the start button or this is where you like may see the the object that you have to click three of to move on to the next level maybe you give them a sense of direction in that unfamiliar abstract space so that they can play better and you know even if they had like an intercom or some sort of pa system where they could hear you more loudly and clearly that could give them the focus and more of the adrenaline or determination to get through some of the challenges well i think that the fix that they decided to come up the low-tech fix for a high-tech problem they came up with was that having multiple stage hands off camera, you know, I, I'm I'm commentating uh, primarily for you, the audience. <clears throat> excuse me, and and I was talking extra loud because they I can be heard. But mm-hmm. so so what was happening in a lot of cases? If I would go go to the right, go to the right, a stagehand would go that way, that way, that way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and to kind of let them know, but and they were already briefed that the that the image would be reversed, so they knew that. So, so they knew it wasn't like the stagehand was, they knew that the stagehand wasn't trying to tell them wrong because yes. they had already been briefed and they'd seen what it would look like. And they were already knew that the image is going to be backwards. So if something's left, it's really your right, but we'll have people there to help you. So when, so when, when you see somebody going to the left and I'm there and, and looking at the monitor going, Hey, Susie, go to the right, go to the right. And the stagehand sees them going to the left they would try to guide them to go to the right. This is what Phil is telling you. This is what Phil is telling you. To kind of, you know, remind them like, oh, that's right, it's backwards. I need to go this way. Right. So yeah, um, they, they did a lot to try uh, to, 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 to fix in a low-tech way uh, yeah. a high-tech problem. I'm glad they were very supportive of that because it's it to us as a viewer, it we don't always see that side of the production and we may not have as the same connection or empathy with them because we just assume everything works. They know where they're going. They could see right. somehow the video game because we don't take the time to understand how it works. But when we hear the behind the scenes like this, and even with Legends of the Hidden Temple, which is very similar with how the different temple rooms work, we yeah. can we can have more empathy and compassion for them that they're really trying their best because they just are thrown into an unfamiliar space and totally disoriented and have to do all these things within a set time limit. I was always happy that um, uh, my show, uh, um, Double Dare, and also Figure It Out, which I was on a whole bunch. Um, and, and by the way, little little side story. Uh, if you ever saw this cute little short-haired black kid as a charade brigade on Figure It Out, that was my real life son. Wow. Really? So cool. David Moore. Yeah. You heard um, it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David's been on a lot of stuff. He was, uh, there was an episode, he was, he's been on all that. Um, there was an episode where uh, uh, Milkman shrinks Super Dude and makes him a little kid. Oh, That's nice. My son. <laughs> wow. There's an episode of Keenan and Kel called the, the, the Big Goodbye or the Long Goodbye. It was a two parter where Keenan was moving away. Yeah. And while they're reminiscing, they're playing with a toy. And then it kind of goes, like, and it, they were reminiscing about when they were kids. And again, little Keenan was, was my kid. He was, he was around. He was, he was always, he was rubbing elbows. He's playing around with Amanda Bynes and, and, <laughs> and Danny Tamborelli. <laughs> That's <laughs> was, awesome. Yeah. Really Getting fun. all that experience. But, yeah. 
Um, but um, um, the thing I was saying is, the thing I was really happy about those shows, like my show, uh, uh, Summers and, and, and Summer, <laughs> is that our show shot, uh, 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 shot literally, in literally in real time. In other words, we started with Act One with the contestants, and when we finished, we finished with those same contestants. Shows like Guts and Double Dare, um, they would shoot Act One because the sets were so huge, the first group of contestants would do the, the bungee jump. Great. When we're not going on to the next, we're bringing in the group of kids for the second episode. They'll do the bungee, Elastic Jungle, you know, whatever. And yeah. so when you sat in their audience, you would only watch one game played four times or three times, depending on how many shows. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. if Guts shot three shows a day, then right. as a studio audience, you would watch uh, three group of kids do it, Boom, then three new kids do it. Boom, then three new kids do it. And then you go home. Then they change the set for the next game. Mm-hmm. And then that studio, studio audience would watch three kids, the first three kids do that game, the second three, you know. But on our show, my show, Double Dare and Figure It Out, start to finish, you watch one complete episode done. So that was a, that was a big relief. I, I'm glad being new, I didn't also didn't have this non-linear shooting to deal with yeah. <laughs> yeah less mental gymnastics so to speak exactly <laughs> yeah do you still keep in touch with anybody from nick arcade um yes yes i do um uh, a lot of the behind the scenes people um the guys that created the show we talk all the time um and um uh, uh you know a couple of the executive producers um uh and i ended up working with one of the gentlemen who was um, one of the uh, head of development and programming at the time, um, because I was a producer. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this internet phenom, this ten-year-old kid named Ryan. And oh yeah. He, he, okay. I, I, I was I was uh, for three seasons. I was a senior producer on um, Ryan's Mystery Playdate on Nickelodeon. Oh nice. And the guy who's the executive producer of that at the time was head of development at Nickelodeon. Um, so it's like, it's a cool little, you know, connection with folks that, that worked on the show. Uh, a lot of the people I just, um, stay in contact with via social media because a lot of them still actually live in Orlando. Um, but, um, uh, James who co-created the show, he moved to LA. So I, I see him a lot and his partner, Karim, we talk a lot, um, because there've been a couple of projects we tried to do together again and stuff. But yeah, I, I, I stay in contact with a handful of folk in the, uh, the good old Nick days. Do you think Nick Arcade could possibly see a resurgence or like new life through VR with the way technology with gaming has evolved at all? Okay, so this is the, this is the, que- this, this is the question that, 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 that I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk did, about. Did I touch a bad button? <laughs> no, 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 no. I always go, this is the, this is the conversation. My answer is one that people don't like. <laughs> unless unless you no. realize unless you realize like right now here we are 30 years later I, I'm, a, I'm a i'm a producer and so i mean if you think i know behind the scenes stuff about a show when it was my first time out the gate i got 30 years under my belt and i know how this thing works i don't have all the answers but i know how this thing works and here is the thing i do agree that with the technology being what it is, uh, you know, I, I this this past Christmas, my, my family gave me the Oc- 
Oculus Rift Quest 2, you know? It's like, ooh. And you think that with all of this stuff in the state of like VR and the, and the, and the uh, metaverse and all of this stuff, that it would be easy to do. That in itself is the problem because Nick Arcade's hook was, here's a thing that you can't do. Mm. Now that everybody can do it, so what? Mm. Technology would be better. Technology, and I, and I don't mean like for the fans going, so what, it would be awesome, it would be great. I'm talking about when you're putting millions of dollars to produce a show in, in, in this, this, this century that we live in, the, you know, the year that we live in, it takes with, 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 with now with entertainment, I'm, well, I'm giving a course on production here, <laughs> with, with entertainment choices and options being what it is, movie industry is scared of losing their dollars because now there's multiple ways to do stuff. Television, television is like hanging on, but please, please, hey, yeah. please stay with us because there's so many ways that people can be entertained and they can be entertained in ways that are so much more gratifying and so much more graphic. And by graphic, I don't mean dangerous. I put on my Oculus Rift and it's the thing is right there in front of me. You know, I'm getting nauseous because I'm falling out of the sky and I'm really just sitting on myself. You know what I mean? It's so in your face that it's no longer unique anymore. Mm, yeah, yeah so it's, it's more of a novelty now and less cutting edge technology. Which... Exactly. And, and, the, and, and along with everything you said, you know, uh, and, and, and I, again, I appreciate the, 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 the high praise you gave to me and I'm always giving high praise to the people that made the show. But, but still, when you really come down to it in its core form, these awesome people created this incredible new thing that no one was able to do in their own home. And all they asked me to do was steer the ship. Mm. Now, if you came back with a reboot, it would have to be what is the element of it that you could not do at home that would make it worth watching on TV? Otherwise, the people who aren't fans of Nick Arcade will stop and go, I can do this better at home. And the mm -hmm. people who are fans aren't in number enough to sustain the type of viewership to keep a show like that going because of how much it'll cost. Right. It's gotta have something that, we gotta have that new wow thing. Not just the visual, digital, whatever. That I can do right now as soon as I get off of this Zoom. Mm -hmm. So it's gotta be, what is that thing? Back then, that was the thing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's like James Bond is going through that. Remember James Bond was like, wow, he's talking on a thing that's in his hand and it's really tiny. He's taking a camera with a little teeny thing. Now, you think that impresses anybody when you have an iPhone? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. James Bond and his gadgets is very unimpressive now. But in his day, since that stuff didn't exist, it was like, oh, wow. He had a little teeny thing that was this big and he was able to watch, he was able to talk to his boss. I can talk to my appeal. mom and she's, I can talk to my mom and she's 80 <laughs> years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that, that's the analogy I want people to see. Like, don't get, yeah. don't get mad at the delivery man. Right. Yeah, and I, again, oh. that's why James Bond is, as an entity had sort of issues with the tech because real life tech 
um, is now so commonplace and so readily available to any everybody, then all those little things that James Bond did is like, it, it would be kind of dumb for him to talk into his watch. You would right. sit there and go, man, that seems really odd trying to talk into his watch. Doesn't he have an iPhone? <laughs> if anything, it would be nostalgic now for anyone who remembers that technology for the first time. So, yeah. right. You know, right. now, now it's right. going to take like a special Rubik's Cube kind of problem to solve that just goes beyond whatever's capable now, which exactly. might might so, be harder than, you know, expected because there's just a wide variety of technologies available now that yeah. weren't available back then. It was very narrow back then. Yeah, I think a reboot of Nick Arcade would look phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Like, <clears throat> but I, but but just, you know, working in this business, I think it would need uh, it would it would need some some hook. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that what is that element that makes it a thing? And that's how all the next shows were. You mm -hmm. can play basketball at home, but you can't strap a rubber band to your back and bounce 20 feet in the air. You could only do that on this show. And that's what made it unique. The show was guts, you know, exactly. double dare. You can play. You can toss a pie at home. Terrific. But you know what? You can't dig your hand up a giant nose and slide down into <laughs> a big old giant pot. You can only do that there. So yeah, you can play a messy game with a little whipped cream at home, but you could only do that stuff here. Nick Arcade was the same thing. You could play video games at home, but you could only do what we did there. And that's what a reboot would need. Yep. It would need that sort of thing again. And I don't know what that is. Hopefully someone finds out and yeah. <laughs> explores it some more. Personally, exactly. you know, as, as a fan of Nick Arcade and retro gaming in general, more than modern gaming, I would just love to see more built on the formula that already works. So maybe like more, more intense uh, Mikey's game board levels or maybe a different selection of uh, video games or maybe they had some sort of 3D projection involved like in the Nintendo 3DS. So there's, yeah. there's different ways to go with the development of it, not necessarily cutting edge, but like maybe take what already worked from different areas of the past when it comes to like 2D games or 16-bit games that people still love today and mm -hmm. just maybe take that a step further. Like, um, for example, that comes off the top of my head. I don't know if you're familiar with the game Octopath Traveler, but it came out in 2018 and everyone who played it who's a fan of 16-bit games and JRPGs were like over the moon over its graphical style and game system because it's like very fast paced and it felt like a little like theater puppet set where these little mm. pixelated sprites are just moving in 3D space and it feels like a fully realized world without having that like Minecraft blocky voxel kind of look. It had like a like a very balanced look between 3D and 2D that just really helped it stand out in terms of its identity. So um, uh -huh. just to piggyback off of what you're saying with that like hook, if you mm -hmm. can find something to take that already existed that worked well and just kind of represent it or remix it in a new way, um, I think there's still potential for some appeal there. Yeah, yeah, it could be. You know, you know, in my own little personal little private fantasy world, I said, they ever got the holodeck working yeah, then i would come see? back and i would do nick arcade <laughs> <laughs> hear that listeners someone uh with a software engineering degree create the holodeck <laughs> well going with the uh how each show is unique if you had the opportunity to host any of any of the other nick shows outside of your own which one would you want to host interesting Legends of the Hidden Temple. Good answer. <laughs> Legend, and, and, but, and, and you want to know why? Why? Because um, back when I was in Nickelodeon, 
that was my son's favorite show. Oh. <laughs> He's so one of he, our generation. I remember, <laughs> I remember a reporter being getting really red in the face because they were talking that they came out to the studio and it was one of those days where I was doing an episode of Figure It Out. So in a weird sort of way, I was on his show that day and they said, oh, we could do like this whole thing. We could talk to the, can we talk to the, the panelists? So they started talking to me and I, and I told them about, so they did it together. And anyway, and by the way, we all know what your favorite show is, right? Is it Figure It Out? He goes, no, and he went, ah, oh, we know what it is. He went, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And we're like, <laughs> and I looked and I looked at him like, always been his favorite Nick show. <laughs> Can't compete with that. Like, oh no, so, we stepped in it with this one. So my thing is, if I could go back and do another show, then I would love to host the show that ultimately would end up being my kid's favorite show. <laughs> you think you could rock a uh, Kirk Fox denim and khaki pants? <laughs> you know what? You've never seen my legs, my friend, okay? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> we'll have to do an artist rendering of that. <laughs> Uh, uh, the things i did not expect to hear in this interview that's the beauty of interviews right now. i know okay. i will stop this interview <laughs> i will go put on some khaki oh my what do you I think some, of uh i will rock some capris if you if you keep it up <laughs> okay yeah those are hot in the 90s <laughs> oh man uh, that's awesome yeah all right uh so i have two questions left and then we have some questions from our instagram followers okay and i know that brett also has something he would like to do uh do you have any advice for hosts or hosting and entertainment this is gonna sound cliche um but don't try to host just just talk the thing that made nickelodeon different from even regular network television, even different than Disney, was that um, they weren't looking for the internet. The, the reason why the internet is, and YouTube became as popular as it was is because people began to see themselves. Mm. They began to see regular folk in in a little box, and even though it wasn't TV, it still felt like bigger than just nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they saw regular folks doing it. And that was the one thing that was really great about the casting that Nickelodeon did. Uh, I'm not saying that guys like Mark and Mike and Kurt and Summer and I weren't, you know, professionals at what we did. I mean, Mark Summers comes with the biggest host pedigree than anybody. But, you know, Mike O'Malley was a comic and actor. That's what he was doing. Uh, Kurt Fogg was an actor. Uh, Summer was uh, an Olympic uh, medalist. You know, I was a stand-up comic. Um, and so when they asked us to host the show, and it's interesting, and I've said this a couple of times, but this is, I've actually taught hosting class before, but my real philosophy behind it is you are a host from my perspective. If you do it right, you're just a charismatic traffic cop. You're not the car. You're not the street. You're making sure that everything flows without messing up. Yeah. And so that means that you kind of have to take yourself out of it while still bringing your skill to it. Mm -hmm. And it's finding that balance. You know, you want to be hired because of you, but at the same time, not really about you. You know what I'm saying? 
it's not really about you. It's about your guests. It's about the people that you're talking to. Um, it's about the people that are there that are supposed to be propelling this thing. For me, I had to traffic cop a show to make sure my contestants had a good time, racked up some points, and, 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 and entertained you to the point where you were cheering for them. You're not yeah. cheering for me. Really, mm -hmm. think about it. You're not cheering for me. My job is to direct you to cheer mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. um, but the best advice for hosts is, is to do it in an organic sort of way. And, 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 and despite my, 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 my energy and my animated whatever, this is literally me. I'm not putting on a show for y'all. This is me around the Thanksgiving table. When it's time for me to speak at the Thanksgiving <laughs> table, I'm like, oh, let me tell you what happened the other day. So I am being my authentic self. This is authentic Phil. You are authentic you and somebody else is authentic them. Just be that. And Beautiful. always remember, again, like I said about Nick Arcade, at the end of the day, they should be cheering on your guests. Yeah. Excellent points. Excellent yeah. points. Thank you for your wisdom. Uh, so the last question that we had is, yes, with this is mostly about Nick Arcade, but you did also host another great Nick game show, You're On. Yeah. What were some of the differences in hosting the two shows? Oh man, let me tell you something. You're on special <laughs> place in my heart. No, for real, because it's a show that came where Nick Studios. Uh, we, we some of us knew, some of us didn't, but the writing was on the wall, and it was going to mm -hmm. the studios were going to close down. Um, I I always say that Nick Arcade is a show that I'm really I'm most known for, most famous for. But but you're on is the show I most love doing, not because it's a better show, but I knew what I was doing. Remember, mm. I talked about I started with Nick Arcade. It was the first thing I'd ever done. I was yeah. nervous. It took I took twelve episodes for even to get the lines down. By the time we got the you're on, I'd I'd done Nick Arcade. I had made guest appearances on other shows. I had acted in a film. I had um I had uh. Uh, been guest pounds and figure it out. I'd done a national tour subbing for Mark Summers on the Double Day Alive tour. And then Michael Malley and I together did a 40 suit, 42 city tour called the Nick Live Tour. I've done plenty of press. I've done plenty of interviews. And then I still went back to stand up. So by the time we got to 1999, from 1992, I was comfortable in this skin now. I'm still Phil, but when I was Phil and I got to ask to do a job I'd never done before in 1992, by the time we got to 1991, I knew exactly what I was doing. So just like, just like I was talking about singing the songs so that I was real comfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, by the time I got to your on, I learned, I learned whatever it took to memorize copy. So when you hand me copy day one, I'm like, oh man, how am I gonna memorize this? But by then I had learned little tricks to help me memorize stuff. So even that wasn't an issue anymore, you know? So um, I was so comfortable. I was so comfortable with your eye, uh, with myself. And that's why I, I, it, was so, it, was, it was bittersweet that it was the last thing 
that was one of the last things that was going to come out of there. I think Yoran did a double dare 2000 some slime time live and then shut the door. Mm-hmm. And, okay. um, and, and, and Nick Studios Florida went away. Um, uh, but it was really, it was really bittersweet because I, 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 I was now, I was now proficient in this role. Yeah. I wasn't just a stand-up comic. I was now a proficient host and I had so much fun. I mean, you, you can only have fun at Nickelodeon. That's the thing. Exactly. And, and the thing that's really, and I got to say this too, this is something that Jerry Laborn said uh, way, way, way back when, and it was absolutely true. Uh, she said one time in a meeting, if you have to tell kids they're having fun, then it's not. Mm. And it was interesting because we never said the word fun. I'm using it as a description of what I felt. Yeah. But we never said we're having fun. Mm-hmm. We, we just, what's what that, what that old saying? Stop talking about it. Stop being about it. We just beat about it. You know exactly, and um, that 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 was how Nick, everything at Nickelodeon was like that. Nobody told you you were having fun. You walked away going, "I had fun." Nobody had to tell you. Beautiful, and that's that's really why we love that era of Nickelodeon more than anything yes. is because yes. we just Great, we were ourselves, and all the magic was in that being yep. free to express ourselves in any way. And I felt the the Nickelodeon Splat logo was a perfect reflection of that during the time because it didn't just have to be like orange gack or whatever it represented initially. It could be mm-hmm. any form and it often did take any form possible where it was like through the bumpers or part of logos for shows. Yeah. Like it's just that amorphous substance that gave that extra edge to everything. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, a lot of people- like the Ven- It's like the Venom symbiote, but- <laughs> Exactly, the Nickelodeon symbiote that attached to us. You know, we're like the orange version of Carnage and Venom hanging out. Well, that, was the, that was the motive. I, I, there, was a, there was a jacket that I used to have, and, and I'm sure you may have seen it, that had the Nickelodeon logo, but it wasn't just the blimp. Out of the logo came the blimp. Out of the logo came yeah. the source. Out of the logo. It yeah. was the, that was a reflection of the very thing you're saying. Yeah, exactly. It's everything and one thing. It's yeah, Nick's kids. Yeah, yep. that was. I think yep. that was going, the Nickelodeon. Going back to what I said, go, man. Let's bring it all. Let's bring it all together. What I said when Jerry Laborn first talked about the network and she started bringing in teams of creative people. I want to show Nick is going to be for kids, where they're going to have fun. Now that's my vision, and everybody who came in brought their own original creative thing that fits under this one big umbrella. There that was go. the logo. It was one thing, but everything. Yep. Exactly. But everything reflected the one thing. Oh, did we just go deep on us right here? Was that a little bit of philosophy? Yes, I think it was. <laughs> no, that's Jerry Lee. That ain't me. I can't take credit for that. That's but but we, can't, we can't call it Jerry's philosophy. It just doesn't flow as well. <laughs> Geraldine <philosophy>. genius. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. For for our new you're on segment uh, special to this episode, we have some listener uh, questions that we pulled from Instagram. So we'll read some of those off and we'll see if we can answer them for them. Okay. So uh, starting off, we have Marley Mook. She says, What's up, from, Marley Mook? She says from Instagram, have you ever done the video zone challenges yourself? Yes. Um, there was one day uh, when I first, uh, at the very beginning, season one, uh, and it was really to get me acclimated with what the kids are going to do. Um, I couldn't, I, look, you, you can't tell somebody about something 
with the greatest degree of proficiency unless you kind of done it yourself. So yeah, there was a moment, you know, after I got the job, after we done dress rehearsal, after things were cast, moments before, you know, maybe a week or two before the we were actually gonna start shooting, in which I ran I ran the video zone. And that's why I also knew the, the trouble that the kids were gonna have, you know, because uh, I you know, I I kind of tripped up too. Something's coming like, oh I ran right into it. So I, like, I gotta go this <laughs> way. Yeah. So I, I did I did run um uh every thing in the video zone and little bonus bit of information that wasn't asked for i also read the ran the double dare obstacle course and i also climbed the aggro crack oh man <laughs> phil moore conquering it all the game show pantheon of <laughs> phil has phil has lived a full life oh yeah <laughs> now we just gotta stuff him in the temple with his son and he'll be all set <laughs> watch out temple guards phil's coming for you <laughs> Uh, oh, you should try up for the uh, for the reboot and see if you can get your son on there on too. The, on the CW, yeah. Wait, exactly. Look, okay, wait. Oh, wait. Listen, I, I'll let, let you get back to yourself. But um, you know, Nick Arcade only had two seasons. But if mm -hmm. we had a third season, uh, I had actually pitched to the network an idea. And if we had a third season, we would have done it. And I said, why don't we have an episode? And I called it the uh, the Tournament of Hosts, where I would host the show, and you would have Kurt Fogg and Summer Sanders on the team and Michael Malley and Mark Summers on a team and I would host the show and you have all five Nick hosts. Oh man. That's that like a dream been... come true. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, but we didn't get picked up for a third season. Bye-bye. Uh, <laughs> same with Salute You Shorts. They only got two seasons. There's so much potential uh, at the end of that, but they couldn't move to California. So bye-bye show. Right. But I wanted to do an episode that had all five of the Nick game uh, show hosts on. Do we still have time to make it happen? Can we crowdfund that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we could do a uh, a, a a Nick Arcade version, but it would be fun to do a figure it out version where it's the four, all five of them, but they all mm -hmm. swap out hosting duties. Yeah. And, no, uh, no. Here's would be great. No, here's would be great if we had all we had is four. No, yeah, it would be the four of us and let Summer host. How many panelists was it always? It was always four panelists, it was four. right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. four. Okay, yeah. So, so you have you have uh, you have Kirk, Mark, Mike, and I, and Summer host. There you go. Yeah. Now we just need a guest for somebody to for the panelists to try to figure it out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe we can have a figure it out episode in the future and somehow coordinate that. Maybe it's not a big budget, but anything's possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's not a big budget thing. Uh, there's no props. There's no technology. There's no gymnasium we have to yep. build. There's no extreme arena. All we need is some chairs and some some tubes of slime. <laughs> yep. And I'll I'll draw Billy the answer head to put on screen. There, we're done. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> have, have some have a contest for some of our listeners. Would you like to be the guest and Ooh, then have the have the the four big hosts be hosted by Super Sanders? And man, that'd be. That'd be oh, that, epic. That would be All the right. phones will be ringing. <laughs> All right, <laughs> listeners, if you want that to happen, make sure you you tag away and get some attention going. <laughs> All right, so next we have Jeff, also goes by Gus Gus the dog. What's up, Gus Gus the dog? And Jeff asks, how did you get all the kids into the video games? <laughs> Which we essentially answered by the yeah uh, yeah blue yeah screen. yeah it was it was it was blue screen it was behind the actual uh, main set an area directly behind it uh, lots of monitors lots of blue uh, 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 furnishings 
and uh, a ton of very helpful uh, production assistance. Which also, uh, because you had said earlier that the pilot, they had the get the picture set. Mm-hmm. And I think they also had the, the get the picture outfits. And one of the teams was blue. You couldn't have a blue team go out into right. a blue screen, which is why they sure. had the red and the yellow. Red and the yellow, right. We couldn't have a blue team. We, uh, we could have all the colors in the world except blue or green. That's why the set of Nick Arcade is very, it's grays and blues. I mean, it's grays and yellows and reds. And Not much green there. <laughs> a little bit of orange. Yeah. 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 Good point. Um, okay. So Jordy, who also goes by Utopia Nostalgia, he actually was uh, our guest for episode six, favorite Halloween commercials. Very um, cool. What's up, Jordy? Hey, Jordy. Yeah, he says, uh, curious about if there are any standout fail moments on set, especially with the green screen. <laughs> Everyone's all about the green screen. <laughs> well, I, I, okay. And well, you, you, you have already mentioned it. Uh, when I go out to Comic Cons and gaming expos, everybody asks me about Nadine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, you know, we've already talked about a lot of the problems that the kids were facing which is why I sort of back off on, you know, like, you know, ragging on them because I, yeah. I understand what they were going through. Yeah. But but all things considered, she did end up being the one who had, I think, the most problems uh, with with maneuvering in it. It just, it just wasn't. Just didn't click. Thing. Yeah. yeah, it just didn't click. Yeah. So, so that was about it, you know. Um, Nothing else really, you know, happened bad in the world of failing. Uh, uh, in a weird sort of way, there is there is a fail that ends up having sort of a happy outcome. Um, and it, it is the story of how the song that I sang began. And um, we had a moment where something technical went wrong on set. I had no idea what, nobody was telling me. It was only like, you know, fifth or sixth episode. And um, so they, the audience warm-up guy came out and just, you know, they were trying to stall and stretch to keep the audience entertained. Uh, then I went over and joined the audience warm up. We were both having a good time, having fun with the crowd to try to keep them up and entertained. We had no law, no idea how long this technical thing was going to take. And then some genius in the control room said, why don't we pipe some music down the control room floor and maybe they'll enjoy listening to that too. And what they kept playing was and literally I stopped and I was like, like, okay, look, if I hit a song one more time, one more time. So then, so now, so here's what happened. When we finally got the word all clear, everything's fixed. Thank you, everybody, for your patience. We're going to get back to the show. We're going to run through this and get you out of here quickly. We love you. Thank you for being a great audience. We started shooting again. And this was my little, like, giving the middle finger to the control room. <laughs> the very next time that the music played, I'm like, here's that music playing again. <laughs> and they loved it so much that next thing you know, the stage manager's walking over to me and he's going, Listen, the control room saying that 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 little song thing that you did, like, yeah, um, I know you were just kind of like giving them the business, but they kind of liked it. Could you maybe do it again? And that's <laughs> how that started. So, an actual fail helped inspire, became like a staple of the show. Go that's figure. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> ben, uh, we'll probably take the next two. Uh, ben Bink 
uh, he goes had, by uh, Ben Thompson as had well. Also, Big Ben, ding. <laughs> What's up? What's up, he, he had also asked, would we ever see a Nick reboot, which we have already addressed we are, we as talked well. About it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the last question we have, uh, Brett, you want to take that one? Sure. Uh, the Lemonade Stand via Instagram says, could you please Lemonade. over, could you please overthrow the current regime at Nickelodeon and bring it back to its former glory? <laughs> uh, that, that's a pretty heavy handed question. I mean, the weird thing though, I, I get that question asked uh, all the time. Really? And I got to tell you uh, that in a weird sort of way, not in a weird sort of way, in a way it is actually happening. Uh, I've been a producer on Ryan's Mystery Playdate and the executive producer of that used to be over at Development. So now he went away and did some other things and now he's back at Nick. Um, the, uh, I'm sure if everybody heard a little show called All That and Keenan and Kel. And one of the creators of that, Brian Robbins, is now the new president of Nickelodeon, which is why we have the reboot of all that. And it's executive produced by Kel Mitchell and Kenan Thompson. So there is sort of a... Like a changing of the guard. Yeah, changing and, and bringing it back to, to people who have the, the sensibility of like how it was. We all know that times have changed. So we've got to you know, deal with things in, in, in this current times that we live in nobody wants to sit up here and make current nickelodeon retro all all retro yeah but but again no matter what age you live in the 20s the, 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 i'm sorry the 90s the 2000s <laughs> or whatever i'm sorry 20s yeah i was thinking 1920s <laughs> yeah, no, yeah no, i was no, too. like no not the 20s the, the 90s the early 2000s or now you know the, the whatever um um te- technology may change um um social uh uh social morals may change but the the need to have um organic fun from legit genuine people always going to be there and so that's what i mean by the sensitivity of nickelodeon yeah here it i'm 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 an old man now producing a a show at nickelodeon in in 2019 so i'm not going to try to do 1999 stuff there i'm going to try to do stuff for at the time 2019 and 2020 uh, it was when I was, you know, the times I worked on it. But I have the sensibility of what Nickelodeon is slash right. was. Right. So you and, still have that the, spirit and magic that's going right. into the and new the, stuff. And the executive producer of the show has the sensibility of what Nickelodeon was. And the showrunner of the show is Jeff Sutton, who who was Pick Boy and uh, the the replacement host oh, wow. to figure it out. He's the show. He's the showrunner of Ryan. So again, you've got all of these. People coming like back. Said, we're all kind of filtering back in, taking now not just the behind. We're not just we're not just the face of Nickelodeon. We are part of the group that is shaping Nickelodeon. We're creating the content that's on the Nickelodeon. And every time I turn around, there's a new person that's like, "Hey, so and so, remember so and so? Yeah, they were they did whatever back on whatever when they're doing this new show on Nickelodeon." I'm like, wow. So yeah, I'm slowly getting to see it. I, I've worked with a few, Jeff, Albie Heck, um, myself, like I said, the reboot of all that, Brian Robbins is like, it is, it is, it is slowly but surely sort of happening. I'm glad the, the tides are heading in that direction because we definitely all feel it that it's like time for a new era and it, it's like getting back to the heart of the matter. And right. I know when we started this podcast back in August, we named it Splat Attack and gave it the design because 
that's that's what we were all about growing up. That was the heart of Nickelodeon that made it special for us. So that's how we felt we need to brand the podcast so that we retain some of the memories associated with like the freedom and the spontaneity and the energy of, you know, the ever-changing splat. So uh, it's and, nice and, to see it come full circle through new yeah, generations. And, and, yeah, and I've actually also had the, the, I can say that I'm really happy at watching like the next team of people come together to do this because yeah, there are some of us that are actually from the golden era Nickelodeon, like I said, now back doing stuff. But now a lot of the producers, I've had the pleasure to work with people who are in development and, and other people who are producers who work alongside me that are like 34 years old that are from the same camp as you two. Exactly. They have that same, they grew up watching, like I'm working with a guy, we're colleagues, but he's fanboying because, oh my gosh, I'm working with no boy. And I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> we're we're down, having man. a brainstorming session <laughs> for games for this show. I know, but could you do a song for me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I was kind of like that behind the scenes, but I composed myself and I'm just very thankful that you're here now. I, I'm glad I didn't scare you away. <laughs> so And so, but what I'm saying is, if we have people like you two and, and, the, and the, the people that listen to the show who happen to be in the entertainment business and now they're getting jobs at Nickelodeon. So the people that are coming in uh, uh, from, from your generation um, grew up with that. And so now it's in them that sensibility that Nickelodeon was doing something in the now. Exactly. Sowing the seeds for the future. And now we get exactly. to see the fruits of the offspring. Exactly. So you've got you've got a bunch of people like me and others I've named that were from the 90s that are now in place again. And now we've got new people coming in uh, and people in key positions, uh, you know, in the office buildings and in the studios that are, are, are in this business that grew up with watching the show. And they have that sensibility and they want what they love to come back again. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. And it brings the community together and also bringing new people into it, too, because you know, the younger uh, generation gets introduced to this stuff through, right. you know, the new content being produced while also, you know, maybe if they're more curious, they'll go back and search the internet to see some of the older things where the origin started. So it's like mm -hmm. a marriage of the best of both worlds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Wonderful. it's good to see. It's good yeah. to see. So, so it is. So again, it is sort of happening. <laughs> Good question, Lemonade Stand. I, I take back what I said. <laughs> being heavy -handed. I, I'm glad we got as deep as we did with it. Um, but yeah, moving right along, I would like to try something to recreate the, the spirit of Nick Arcade. And what we're going to do is I have Sonic the Hedgehog 2 queued up on, on my computer. So what we're going to do is I'm going to like play through the first level and you're gonna you're gonna ad lib a video challenge for me, like amount of rings I need to get, time I need to finish, and you're gonna give commentary while I play through it on my laptop. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll see All if right. it works. You All know, right. All right. I haven't I haven't done. Well, you know, I have done game commentating. I, I was at a con, a gaming expo, I think, in 2017, mm -hmm. and they asked me to do something similar. All right, here we go. It's it's Sonic the Hedgehog, right? That's how you. That is <laughs> Sonic. Here I go. We're waiting. <laughs> for, those Here I go. You, for those of you who aren't watching, we're still waiting. 
It's it's like uh, when they would tell Mikey, go up, and then Mikey's still sitting there, and you would say, he's going up in our By the minds. Way, speak, speaking of that, talking about fans, I actually did uh, a couple episodes of Robot Chicken where they yes. did Nick oh. Arcade, and I voiced me. Uh, Seth Seth Green brought me in, and uh, uh, and we did the we did this. I got to see the little doll of me. As a matter of fact, on my Facebook page, the 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 profile picture is actually the actual doll of me <laughs> on their little <laughs> toy set. Because I'm like, that is so cool. It's a little doll me. <laughs> and and they gave Mikey hell. They blew him up. They did so many weird <laughs> I was I was always wondering how what your reaction was when they were pitching you the idea. Oh my gosh, man! I oh my gosh, I laughed so hard. <laughs> Mikey, go up. He has a bomb up there. I, that's right. Go up, Mikey. Mike's like, I hate you. I fell out. It was really funny. I had such a good time with that. All right, this is Brett's Brett's take of the video challenge of Sonic the Hedgehog One. There we go. All right, boom! Now Brett is off and running. Sorry, it it didn't. Okay. Okay, now I'm. Brett has anxiety. Brett's having performance anxiety. Okay, I'm actually moving it now. That's okay, Brett. It happens to everybody. It's not you. It's me. Miltastic. And you avoid it. Oh, he jumped over the fish. Way to go. Careful now, there's a crab. There's another crab. Got it. Ooh, a couple rings. Gotta go across that bridge. Missed a couple of the bees. Oh, and he missed the jumper to go up. Oh, oh and ouch. And he got, anal, he got alien anal probes. <laughs> <laughs> He's done over again. And oh! Right now, let's take a look at your rings. You're only up to seven rings. Not bad for ten seconds. Ten rings, ten seconds. That's not too bad. Right, he's got a couple of rings. And boom, there he goes. Now he's got it. He jumped on him. Boom, and he's got a checkpoint. No back, no going back. There. Yo, he didn't go to spin dash. But that's okay. We're waiting for a good. There we go. We got a good spin going on right there. Woo! Look at that. I like that cluster of rings way down and be careful very good all right all right he said the wake up boom and he made it all the way through way to go 50 rings 38 seconds a score of 510 way to go brett oh that was magical i felt like i was in 1992 again <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm so way glad to go, we got to work Whoop. now let's see how many points uh, alex wagered <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I I I wagered zero points. What? Listen, you... let's adjust the score and more. Head back over. Brett should get better at Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Alex had no faith in you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And we're gonna do a video game episode in season two. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, well, thank you so so much, Phil, for being yes. here tonight. It yes. has been. I gotta play through my favorite uh, Sonic and Hedgehog yes. song right now. Okay. Also, there's this guy. He's on YouTube, um, and he does like remixes of songs. I got my headphones in, so I hope you can hear it. It's Trey Lopez. But listen okay. to it. Listen. Can you hear it? Yes. 
Wait for it. Do 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 do. Yeah. Spring yard zone. Oh my gosh, that is the funkiest spring yard zone I had ever ah, heard. I, I love it like, so much. Gosh, it's, oh my god. Second Fun- word, L O P E S. Man, listeners, check it, that out. It is the funkiest. It is the funkiest version of right? the song ever. And it's, they've got like. They have a two-minute version. Then he got it in a fifteen-minute loop, y'all. Oh, that's killer! <laughs> I gotta, I gotta check that out after this episode, man. Because I, I, it's so funny you bring it up because Spring Springyard Zone music is like one of the most iconic ones for me. Because when I was like playing through the games as a kid, I noticed, hey, wait a minute, that melody sounds familiar. And it turns out that Bobby Brown's song "Every Little Step" follows the same yeah. melody, like uh-huh. dun 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 dun. Every little step I take, Sonic will be there. Every little step I take, tails will be together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Sonic had R&B roots when the composer wrote music for it. Like that's what they referenced. New Jack Swing, Super Adventure Island. Yep. Super Adventure Island, um, the people that composed that music were heavily in the James Brown. If you listen to some of the some of the um, songs from Super Adventure Island, there's one in particular where you actually hear James Brown scream and then it's like do 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 everything that we're doing it's been fun guys it's been a whole lot of fun yes yes uh thank you so much phil for taking the time out to to be a part of this uh if listeners want to follow you on social media where can they find you at and what have you got going on now Uh, on instagram and on twitter it's real easy it's my name is phil moore p-h-i-l-m-o-o-r-e the number four and the letter u so phil moore for you um, and then I also have a, um, uh, a fan page on um, Facebook, and it's just simply my name. There's a lot of people out there named Fillmore, but you know you come to the right one where you see the Nick Arcade set and a little doll looking like me. <laughs> uh, and right now, like I told you, I'm working now. I grew up and uh, uh, I'm working now as a producer all through Los Angeles. And right now I am um, currently working on season three of Kevin Hart's uh, celebrity uh, game show called Celebrity Game Face. Uh, it shows on E! Entertainment and also streams on Paramount. Uh, no, not Paramount, Peacock, wrong yeah. place. It's, <laughs> it, it airs on E! and it streams on Peacock. Uh, we're about to start season three. Uh, go check it out. And then in a couple of months on NBC, there's a game show that's an English in- import called The Wheel. It will be uh, coming out in a couple of months on NBC. So you can watch Celebrity Game Face right now. And in a few months, uh, you can watch The Wheel on NBC. So check it out. Exciting time for game shows, that's for sure. Heck yeah. Yeah. Glad to be back. Phil, thank you again so, so much for being with us. Um, We're just going to close with a quick question for our listeners, Slimesters and Gakoids. Um, if you could create your own region of Mikey's worlds, what would it be called and what would it look like? And also what enemy would reside there? 
Um, and I came up with the idea of something called Freeze Pop Peak because I noticed on Mikey's world, there are like little snowy mountains on there, but we never got to see anything like that. Like the closest mm -hmm. thing to that was the level two of the video zone where you throw snowballs at the elves. So I mm -hmm. wondered, hmm, what would it be like to like go up a mountain range or even inside an ice cavern and then run into like a Yeti enemy that pelts snowballs at Mikey, turning him into like a snowman with a stovetop hat. That's, that's cool. My mine mine would be uh, I kind of joked about it, but mine would be Mikey's circuit board. I always thought, what does it look like when when we're not working and Mikey's not appearing on the screen? What does it look like in his home? And I thought, well, maybe there'll be you know there's electricity going through something, and you have to throw something to make the connection and that sort of thing. You know, that yeah. would that would have been a fun game on Nick Arcade because whenever they played the video games mikey was never there and i thought mm. why don't we do one where mikey's actually there yeah that's a really cool idea and i can imagine if like if you wanted to take that concept further and give more of like an inside the computer theme you can have like little microchips or like viruses chase him around too so that yeah. he has to i was a big fan of reboot the the, the, yeah. the tv show reboot yes. the mid 90s I was a big yes. fan of reboot <laughs> there you go and i always thought and, and and reboot came out like when we started nick arcade and i always thought Dying here. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't your kids, Nick Arcade. This is the dark, gritty Nick Arcade. Exactly. It's the dark side of Nick you get Arcade. Zero lives to start. <laughs> Megabyte and Hessen Decimal. They're really gonna wreak havoc on Mikey. <laughs> uh, and the the level that I thought of would be like a carnival, uh carnival of chaos. And you could have ah. and you could have like a strong man who could just squish like an accordion. Or if we really wanted to go Nickelodeon, we could have uh, a crossover with Zebo the Clown. Uh, right. Scary it clowns always. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Um, thank you for having me on, especially doing what I call this week of celebrating the 30th anniversary of, uh, of Nick Arcade. Uh, I appreciate you guys for having me on. And I've said it already, and I can never say it enough. Uh, thank you also to all of the 90s Nickelodeon fans that, um, you know, make this an ongoing fun experience for me. Definitely, yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving whenever we can connect with each other in the 90s Nick community. Yes, cool. yes, thank you so very, very much, Phil. We truly appreciate it. And I know our, yeah, our listeners have enjoyed it too. All right, Brett, cool. wrap her up. All right, um, so listeners, Slimesters, Catgoids, if you have any questions for us or just want to write to us anything that you feel inspired to based on any of our episodes thus far, you can email us at splatattack2021 at gmail.com. Additionally, if you're more social media inclined, you can DM us at splatattack Podcast on Instagram or check out some of our YouTube videos on YouTube at splatattack Podcast as well. Leave some comments, give us some likes, you know, all that social currency that helps us get noticed. Um, additionally, if you would like to leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, really wherever you get your podcasts, you know, show us some love. We love doing these things for you. We love uh, giving you original content. We love having, you know, 90s Nick guests here and more just to make it an enriching experience. So if you enjoy this episode, give us some love through ratings and reviews anywhere helps, you want. Helps the, helps the channel grow, helps other people to find us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and listen, listen, and before we got started, the guys kind of let me in on, they're going to be starting a Patreon. And so the way you grow and get better content is when they have more money to do better things with. So when they start that up, please support. I will. You do awesome. It. You Thank heard you it Phil. from Phil, our endorsement. 
All right, guys. Um, just to let you know, we're going to do a season one recap of all the lovely 13 episodes that we've accomplished thus far for season one. So stay tuned next week for that. We're going to be doing some rankings. We're going to be doing some favorite moments. We'll do a say what segment and we'll send some questions your way on Instagram so that we can get some listener feedback uh, as we transition into season two, which will be a very exciting episode to premiere with. So look out for that in late January, early February. All right, without further ado, Alex, will you pull the slime tank lever, please, and send us out? Aye, aye, co-captain. Watch you later, retro gamers and Nick Arcade fans. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Nighty night. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What do we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Oh, bye-bye. Excuse me, I belt. Did that? Did you hear no, that? No, we didn't hear nope, that. Didn't hear it. Did you <laughs> smell <laughs> it, though? Because well, I tasted it. <laughs> <laughs> what did it taste like? Nacho cheese? <laughs> I, no, I, I, had, I, had, I had salmon for lunch, so it tastes mm. like fish. <laughs> Blackboard the pirate brain fish. There you have it. <laughs> Arr, it's fresh horrific. I, mean, I wanna I should be sucking up on a smooch alien about it now. <laughs> <laughs>